Welcome back to Roadmap, the Auto Trader podcast for all things product and tech. Nearly forgot what I was doing then. Uh, this episode, I've got three great guests, this time talking about data. So, hey, Catherine. Hello. Hello, Michael. Hi. And hi, Steve. Hi, Pete. Cool. Right, so just to kick off, could you give us a quick intro into your sort of job title area you work in from a data perspective? Steve? Well, I'll go first, yeah. So, I'm Steve. Been here three and a half years now. Um, I'm a digital analyst. I work in the user analytics team, cross-functional team in platform engineering, focused on the consumer. So anything about the consumer, building products based on consumer data. That's what I'm involved in. Cool. Yeah. What about yourself, Michael? Yeah, uh, I'm a data analyst. Uh, I'm in the search products team, uh, focusing on all of our sort of prominent products uh, and also been working on leasing recently as well. Nice. And last but not least, Catherine. Hi, I'm Catherine. Uh, so I'm also a data analyst. Um, I've been at Autotrader for just under five years now. So Ooh. I've worked in several different areas. Uh, where I am at the moment is I'm in support and messaging. Um, so we've been quite focused on digital retailing and supporting our operational teams with the data that they need around when consumers sort of need a bit of help on the digital retailing journey. Cool. So first question I've got is three analysts, but Steve, you're digital and you two are data. Is there is there a difference or is that just an anomaly with titles? So there's there's three disciplines within the analytics community. We've got data scientists, yep. data analyst, and digital analyst. Right. So there's commonalities between them. Ultimately we're all I suppose we've all got the same goal. We want to create good products for our retailers and our consumers. I suppose from a digital viewpoint, we're really focused on the consumer. So we we like um consumer experience, consumer behavior, journeys, anything that impacts our core metrics that we talk to our retailers about, that's what we really like to get involved with. Right. Um, I think possibly when it hands over to more complex questions about the retailer, that's where we bring in the big guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there, there, is, there is a bit of a difference, but we, we're part of a wider analytics community of those three disciplines and we share knowledge um, we catch up regularly to kind of share methodologies and approaches to problems. Right. So we work really, really closely together. Okay. So do you, so do you come in as a digital analyst? I came in as a digital analyst. My background is um, working in digital marketing roles, PPC, SEO. Oh I've right. kind of done them all, yeah. but always with a very heavy emphasis on data and performance. Right. And that's typically the route that digital analysts come in by. Yeah. Whereas data analysts and data scientists probably more linear pathways in terms of statistical heavy um, yeah, more methodical about how they approach problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what about you, you, you today as data analyst? What was your what was your route into auto trader as data analyst? Do you want to go first, or should yeah. I? Oh, uh, I can go. Yeah, go on. Um, so, before I worked here, <coughs> I worked as an insights analyst at a digital marketing agency. So, it was a lot less technical a role, um, mainly based in sort of spreadsheets and sort of pulling data out of Google Analytics. Um, but before that, I had done an astrophysics degree. So obviously that was yeah a little bit more technical. So I wanted to kind of balance out the two. Plus also, I love cars. So that's how I ended up here. Interesting. What about yourself, Michael? Well, before this, I was uh, I did a maths and stats degree. And then my first job was in a big marketing company. And the whole idea was to make a model that would show you how your adverts were doing. Uh, like TV adverts, how much yeah. did this TV make this company? Um, did that for a while and then did the same thing over and over enough that I was like, I want to do something new, came to a trailer and then 
done all this new stuff um, and there's loads of machine learning models we can look at loads of data engineering problems we've got um, there's, there's I think the role itself is quite broad yeah. like we've all got different kind of ways of doing things and, and different strengths that we look at yeah um, engineering machine learning the actual sort of reporting side like what do we show people in our bi tools yeah um so yeah yeah because when i joined I was, I was trying to think back because i've been here for like mm, 11 years and the data peeps i used to work with probably more in the your sort of space steve so when did the uh, i don't know if you know but when did the sort of the the whole data as a discipline thing really start to to come alive because data scientists i remember suddenly they were a thing and they were people at art trader but i'd never heard them before so do you know what the history of that is in terms of growing the data discipline i think i'm the one that's been here the longest and right. i think it had started just before i i started really i think previously lots of analytical people my understanding this might be wrong but my understanding was they kind of worked in various different areas of the business but they were kind of more of a they'd come back to sort of an or a hub where they'd sort of do their yeah. data whereas the kind of the move towards more data science driven and data analytics that there was a community then built the analytics group which steve's obviously just sort of described but there was more of a drive to get kind of embedded into different areas of the business and to really understand and be that technical expert in each of those areas so that movement had started before i started really um, and has just sort of grown ever since yeah and how big is the data community now roughly it's probably 25 to 30 of us now yeah i think it's nearer 30 30 yeah yeah it's it's grown quick yeah and how many how many scientists are in that mix seven or eight maybe yeah uh and then there's six digital analysts apologies if i've forgotten anybody there and then the rest (laughs) are data analysts yeah i think back to your your previous point about when does it start from a digital perspective as well i think the last five years we've seen a movement away from google analytics as a self-serve tool as all you need as a business to right businesses with the capacity of building um, pipelines with snowplow etc and then there's a requirement for the digital to get more technical and more embedded in the data so it's it's all going that one route where you've got more control of your data and data science can apply their logic to these problems at scale now right and if you i mean like again i I think i'm mathsy i'm not (laughs) i used to be maybe a long long time ago but what just to sort of uh, I really understand. So working in data, what like the key deliverables that as data people, data analysts, digital analysts, what are the key deliverables that like you're measured on or what success looks like, you know, not asking for data points, but like what does good look like in terms of your roles? I, th- I think that's it's a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> so the, the, the job, as I see our role, is kind of, resolving ambiguity with with product sometimes yeah. so it's helping stakeholders and product to understand what's achievable with this product what data points do we have initially and actually working with them to establish okrs the kpis i think that's one of the biggest jobs as an analyst is all well and good doing the analysis but unless you've set up from okrs and kpis and you've got something to work towards that's kind of secondary yeah so that's i think getting us in early and getting data in the conversation at, at from the offset is probably the biggest takeaway I think um, that I, c- I could give anybody when working with data. Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself, Michael? I think I can't think of another role that's exposed to every stage of the data I- in itself. Like, there's the source data where you've collected some events, 
then we would look at helping to model it with developers. We would work with product leads to define what we actually want to get out of it. Then we would even show it in a model it in Looker, RBI tool to then for people to use and get value from it. We're part of every single stage or should be part of every single stage for that. Uh, I can't think of another role that kind of, you know, you work with different roles within each stage, but yeah. you're there hopefully throughout the whole process. Yeah. Uh, and understand, you've got an understanding within each stage of what needs to happen. Yeah. Is that your experience also, Catherine? Yeah, I think it's a huge <coughs> misconception that as data analysts, we only really care about the numbers. It's actually, the role is so much bigger than that. And I think I, I think we all pull in our particular preferences. And I'm really, really passionate about the kind of the communication side and the education and how important it is that people within the business who are using the data understand that it's not just about sort of graphs that go up and to the right for the sake of it, but it's really about understanding why what's the interpretation of that what does that mean and how can we actually better shape the things that we build to really answer questions in a way that has that big kind of you know that answers that huge question of so what rather than just kind of spouting off lots and lots of numbers yeah. for the sake of it so definitely the educational piece is a huge part of being a data analyst as well and the people it's interesting because in that cross-functional space when you come to the education side of it who, who are the people that you're helping spread that knowledge with so just everyone in the group, really. So if you're working with a product lead, for example, really explaining to them the benefits of making sure that you're in the right conversations. But then also sometimes when they have questions, talking them through kind of the complexities of what's going on, but then the key takeaway of, of whatever it is that's the outcome as well. So again, you know, they're the people ultimately shaping the product. So to making sure that they're really armed with useful insight rather than just this whole sort of swamp of numbers um, so that they can really like make the most sensible decisions. Yeah. But equally, if you're working with developers as well, they're helping you bring the data through that pipeline. So trying to, again, work with them to get them to understand what they're doing and, again, why why it's important. Yeah. And, uh, Michael, are there any, like, essential parts of going back to the cross-functional that go, if you do these things as a data person or if the team does these things, success is more likely? Whether that be, like you said, Catherine, like embedding yourself right at the beginning or, like Steve said, shaping those metrics so that people really understand or, or is it being able to translate those into layman's terms? Are the things that are like going, if you do these things well, the cross-functional team will be, will be better for it, like the ones that you don't compromise on? I think the one that comes to my mind would be the ownership of the data because we kind of used to live in a world where like you would request the data to be created in a way but the team necessarily wouldn't own it but now it's more on you as the team the stream whatever squad you're in you own the data that you want to see uh, and you might go to another team to say can we use your data but then you would then own that data that you've made from it um, so data ownership's a big a big uh, thing at the minute is that some yeah it's interesting so is that something that we didn't previously used to do the data ownership like not to the same extent we used to have one team that would be the data platform team yeah. they would be the team that would build that stuff or w in a big monorepo we'd have it but now it's like the team that is the domain expert would create the data right. that we use and then if i was going to leverage that data so say in particular domain one i'm really interested in because my domain's using it is it still yourself that's owning domain one and i'm leveraging your when I start to join up together, how does that start to work when you've got 
lots of different data sets that when you actually need to pull it together to give an answer to a different question how does that sort of interaction between domains and ownership of data work so at this point you'd have to go and request that team and there's that communication of it's like a contract can i use your data yeah for this reason they would then say oh yeah this is the data you want to use rather than it kind of used to be kind of you discover it and there'd be a million tables in one place and you wouldn't quite know what to do or but you'd have access to it but now you have to say oh i'd like to use your data and put it into my data product in order to get an answer right and does that help I'm, I'm just gonna ask the question out there does that help with the consistency because what i was thinking in me going back to some of my previous challenges is where i'd be presenting data a and then somebody would be challenging me with a different slightly different data set data set b they weren't getting all like well, weird with a's and b's but like then they'd be like but b's saying something different and then we get into that whole like well what's actually right does that sort of start to mitigate that problem yeah, that's why it's so important to come and speak to the data analysts and scientists that are working with the data more regularly because I think, again, another misconception is that if you've got access to all of the data, you've got the answer. Yeah. And obviously, like we, we all know from examples where we've read statistics that look a little bit dubious that actually, depending on how that data is interpreted and cut, it can give you completely different outcomes. So to really talk to the, the owners of that data and understand, you know, that might just be one filter that somebody's missed because they just don't know that they should yeah. have used it. Um, whereas, again, if you if you go and speak to the, the people that created it in the first place they're much more likely to know ah yes well actually right. you need to make sure that you filter on this particular thing because otherwise you'll get strange results right okay so becoming that really deep domain expert in that particular area so yeah. in terms of your different domains then have you got domain expertise that you're a particular expert in I think so. I think hopefully um, it comes from obviously having spent lots of time in the business. So I think I've got lots of peripheral knowledge of things and sort of the history of how things were at certain different stages, which can be quite useful. And then obviously having moved into working in the support and messaging space as well, we're currently working on um, a new data product that will kind of shape the understanding of our ticketing system, our new one that we're using Zendesk. Um, so where we are at the moment is that exploratory phase of trying to understand, well, what is it that people actually want from this so that we can shape our data product with the most sensible logic that actually gives people what they need at the end rather yeah. than just sort of bringing everything through and saying, well, here you go, have, have some data. Yeah. Um, but we really want to make sure it's curated so that people understand what they're looking at and it actually it answers some questions rather than just causing more questions yeah. like maybe what you've just described yeah it does feel like it previously maybe years and years ago was a lot more waterfall where it feels like now as a team or the way you're working is much more in line with the way we're developing software so steve are you are you in the team right from the beginning typically where, where as a d digital analyst how do you work in those cross-functional teams so i think it's important to get an analyst involved early regardless but i think the digital analyst is probably even earlier, if, if that's possible. The tagging and the structure that you adopt your tracking would probably more weighted towards a digital analyst. So yeah, an example is in our core experience stream, which is tasked with developing our product page or ad views that consumers see vehicles on. We've obviously got cross-functional team, we've got design, we've got uh, user research, product, myself, delivery, development. So you're involved really early on and something we've actually last 12 months what we tried to do and it's, it's working quite w really well actually is typically it was waterfall um or more waterfall um what we're trying to do is create a, like a feedback loop 
So data is not just used as a validation of ideas and concepts. It used to be uh, maybe put something to test, pass it over the fence a little bit to data. What happened? That's not where we want to be. We want to be involved to start work, create an hypothesis, and actually eventually create that feedback loop. So um, we can add to the ideation process, but we can also bring that back and we go again and we keep iterating the product. And that's we're starting to see um, kind of real benefits for that in, in the streams that are working in the consumer world. So th yeah. that's that's our take on it. Yeah. But yeah. I think we are, so you said that, I didn't realize how early, really how early you were involved in that. So you're right from inception. So at it's, the beginning. yeah, once, even to some extent, when designer thinking about designs is what have we learned from previous implementations? Right. What's the data telling us? That can feed into the design. And then the whole way through, it should be like an iterative learning. Yeah. To the point that the product's at maturity. And then I think once it gets to maturity, the, the questions that you want to ask, slightly different. Um, they might be about the retailer side of things as opposed to the consumer. Um, and then that's when we start to be able to do more data science at scale. Yeah. But yeah, really early on, it's it's about creating that um, the feedback loop and the ways of working within those cross-functional yeah. teams. And how and how again thinking that thinking from my perspective is when I when I'm thinking data, I'm thinking Looker and I'm thinking dashboards that our sales colleagues are using. How does that side of data fit into your worlds? Ooh, you look like you're ready to go. Oh Steve. no! Uh, <laughs> are you just waiting? Oh, so, so um, yeah. So before where I'm working at the moment, I spent a lot of time working quite closely with our retailer insight team, um, and uh, as look has sort of evolved, and I think what's really interesting is obviously the data has to go on a journey before it even gets to, to looker and I think it's about really again explaining to people kind of what things sit at different levels basically some things you can do once it's in looker and that's you know that's the creating the dashboard that's the final flourish as it were yeah but like the the sort of the plumbing that happens and I think explaining the different areas like how however that d data is ingested it might it goes into BigQuery we then use dbt to sort of do that transformation element that spits back out more data back into BigQuery and then obviously that's the link where Looker joins onto it and I think sometimes people just don't understand that and they think when they come to the, the data team when they sort of go you know a bit like a builder that's sort of you know looking at your roof <laughs> going oh I think you need a new one and we're sort of oh. but I think once you kind of explain what the process is people understand why these things take time and why it's important to understand what the data is going to be used for at the end but you know before you even start because obviously how you shape it will make a big difference to how easy it is to interpret and sort of build things in in looker yeah and does that i mean because we've talked a lot in the past about like data democratization god i can't even say that word so is it the fact that once it is in looker people understand how the tables work etc it is that people can start then creating their own dashboards and it's that the important bit is that build up where it is much more controlled until we release it into into Looker. Yeah, so I think when we first started using Looker, I think in lots of companies, actually, people aren't really that interested in data. And initially, I think we thought, well, actually, we can put things into Looker and it's okay because only a few people will actually be, be using it. But actually, you know, the democratization was actually a huge success and people were really, really keen. So without us really realizing, actually, lots of people had not access to a lot more data than we sort of anticipated yeah. and again this just led to people obviously being enthusiastic and creating things but adding their own logic in yeah. 
as, as it kind of went and then you've got the problem of ver various different versions of the truth so since then we've kind of we've, that's where a lot of this process of working really closely with teams has come from it's that kind of need to make sure that people understand because it, there are nuances within data there always are and it, once we sort of explain we're not taking access away because we don't want you to see it we just want you to be able to see something that's correct yeah. and curate it um so yeah so that's kind of the journey that we've also been going on in looker is actually people the appetite here is amazing people are so interested they yeah, yeah. really want to see what's going on with the data which is great but it just means it's really important that we only put stuff in there that um that makes sense in the first place yeah and in terms of curating dashboards and things like that, is that something that yourselves get involved with or is it that something that there are other people like develop the dashboards? How does that fit into the whole over, over like the, the cycle of events? Well, we, we do, I think the analyst group probably the most heavily involved in training people in that space. So we run an Explorer course that hopefully helps people to make dashboards in a valuable way. Yeah, um, and I think I think we're involved. Depends who you talk to, but you can be more involved in some dashboards than others. But there are people who can, who aren't analysts, make their own dashboards. But hopefully, we've helped them on that journey to make that dashboard. Either they've gone on a training course a year ago, or they've asked someone um, in a in a channel on Slack, "Can I have help with this?" Yeah, um, that that's hopefully the best way. Uh, there's a lot of content out there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I've been involved in dashboards throughout, but there's also dashboards that other teams make themselves and that they're really valuable. Yeah, but how do we, again with that control bit, and I don't know whether this is a question for you, Steve, I don't, I don't know, is when, when we do let people loose, how do you then, if then people are interpreting things incorrectly or, you know, are making decisions where they don't quite understand the data, how do we, without like being really negzy, how do we keep keep control of that piece? Because I've seen where I've made decisions and it's based on I've really have misinterpreted the data and it's been a bit of a car crash. I, th I think we're getting really good at A, getting analysts embedded early, right. but we can't cover every product in the business. Yeah, There's not enough of us. But I think we've created good lines of communication to our leads, to our senior analysts in the business so that these problems probably get raised and we're aware of them. So if we can triage them, and it might be consultancy basis because the user analytics team that I sit in, we will not be necessarily embedded in everything, but we will consult very heavily with teams. Right. So um, yeah, we'll advise advisory basis, but we'll not be embedded. So I think there's that too as well. It's not it's it's not about being embedded within the team. It's not necessarily about looking at the dashboards. It's about it's about process and governance as well. And I think I think we've got a good view of what's going on. Yeah. Even if we can't give it our 100% attention, we can advise on a on a route through. Right. So it goes back to your point, Catherine, about education, communication, collaboration. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, it doesn't always work. And we do sometimes stumble upon things where we have questions. <laughs> but again, it's it's around kind of approaching that in, in the most helpful way, because clearly who crea ever created it, they, they were trying to answer yeah. something. And I think, again, as a data analyst, you, you want to know why, you want to know what's going on, This you want to know the so what. So to try and understand where this is coming from and then actually saying well uh, that's amazing that's great but actually you know we've got this simpler way or we've got this data science way of actually doing things and kind of then again educating people that that is something that they will be able to use and explaining what the sort of you know what why we might not approach it in the way that they might have done to start with yeah but in a friendly way and a 
family way. And the the other side, we we were talking with, um, I think it's in an early episode with Delapo and Pete about data products. We're talking APIs, but data products specifically. Is that something where we're actually we are creating products that are basically data? H- how does the data community work in those where the actual output that we are selling to partners or retailers or whoever it may be is actually data that we're providing how does that how does that fit the the portfolio of work i I would say we're the ones that we're involved in making those metrics so performance rating or retail rating it's been an analyst who've been at the start they might even scope out in a in a you know their own kind of analysis and then go from there and then they productionize it um and i've been heavily involved in the package uplift model which powers a tool in portal that shows if you change package your performance rating will change by this amount yeah um and we have to think carefully about what that actually means as a metric so performance rating a lot of work went into what that actually means and shows and the the interp the interpretation of it in itself could change but we have a clear understanding of how we've gotten to that number and we can explain it yeah and where do the where do the data scientists come into the into the mix and these type of you know forays into whether it's performance metrics or looking at packages etc is that where they start to come into their role i mean how does the scientist fit because we talked very much around digital analysts data analysts what about the, the scientists where do they come into this mix Yes, I think they they are the ones building machine learning models to either make these metrics themselves or to analyze them um, and kind of spit out numbers that we can then use as, you know, I guess the idea is there's going to be a really complicated model, let's say they've made, but the output should be fairly straightforward. And if it isn't, then we're, we're not kind of using it in a way, but, you know, we use machine learning models on our site in search. We use it for package uplift to show you what your packages are, is going to do um retail rating that i think that's still the same days to sell all that kind of stuff there's kind of a machine learning model in the background that yeah it's going to be really complicated but the idea is that we kind of translate that the data scientist might build it and then the data analyst might be involved in translating what that means into something that's interpretable right that makes sense what about on the consumer side Steve, is there, do, do we get data science to get involved in, in that side? So we're talking very much like retailer, what we talk to retailers about. Yeah, so on the consumer side, so we work really closely with the marketing team. Um, partially, a lot of digital analysts have that background, so they know how all these traffic sources coalesce. Yeah. So questions we might get is, like, when did we first see that consumer? Was it three years ago? Was it last week? What platforms have we seen them on? Have they downloaded their apps? And also... Can we create propensity scores? So data scientists do work with us in that field to create, um, I suppose, models to understand, is this user likely to come back? Is this a good and efficient use of our marketing spend? So we're actually doing some really good work at the minute about pushing those segments via our customer data platform um, and activating those in our marketing platform. So, you know, it'll be really exciting to see what the output there is. But, um, yeah, there's a whole host of possibilities that we're just starting. It's been a bit of a journey to get yeah. there with data science in the consumer space, but we're definitely starting to use it. Cool. And in terms of then, like, I know we talked about your journeys in. So have you got like, if you go back, we talked astrophysics, maths. Is it you've got to be really strong on your maths background? However, you got to say, what are like the key 
attributes as a you know your brain power in this space is it is it very mathsy i'm assuming it is what's your favorite word of it? Uh, I it's I the word of the podcast mathsy. Mathsy. um yeah so it absolutely helps if you've got a background in something where you've understood you've, you've studied statistics on some level i think one of the other things is about kind of you know we're often working with new tools so lots of different programming languages and i wouldn't describe myself as a developer by any stretch but the ability to be able to sort of pick up and understand um sort of to, to um the breadth of different things that we work with so things like sql or uh, we might do a bit of python or r so to be able to pick those things up relatively quickly i think um is definitely definitely a skill too but as i say i think for me that the most important thing is that sort of being able to communicate with people and explain something that might seem com- you know, very complex and sometimes even the word maths or statistics really puts people off from the from the start and actually lots of the concepts aren't aren't super difficult once you break them down into things that people understand so i definitely think that that is a really important part of being any part of an analytics or data community is being able to just communicate that to other people yeah and yourself what, what is your background steve i know you talked about marketing it's before marketing what, what were you doing many years ago that uh so i actually did engineering at university right um didn't well I did it I finished the degree wasn't particularly enjoying it did a year out and thought no not for me went to the states for a few years came back and then I'd always built websites and played around with it so I've come from like a self-taught hacky developer background many years ago and then got an agency gig went through the whole breadth of digital marketing disciplines um, worked in an automotive firm before which is really useful to understand the, the you know the industry um, but there always was a focus on the data and I lived and breathe in Google Analytics. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then I transitioned into this role, which was like the perfect fit, brought all those things together nicely. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's no there's no standard route into it. I think obviously having maths helps. Um, I think thinking logically, but clear communicator as well as Catherine said is yeah, yeah, definitely up there as a top attributes I think you, you, you need. And in terms of if you were going to look again from the outside, so we've done this podcast with a little bit of an intro into data. I'm sure those topics will go a lot deeper on. But if you were looking from the outside, it sort of things that people could look at and tangibly touch and feel where data has powered it. Is the particular either blogs or things on the website, if you looked at and said, that is powered by data and that's got a load of like really clever thinking behind it that you wouldn't imagine. Um, my go-to would be the relevance sort. So if you go on a website and search, yeah, yeah. and you think how how you would like, what's the best advert to show someone for them to click on it? The relevance sort has got a load of. Well, it's it's kind of a data science model in itself, powering it, um, and you could have a whole episode on that. Um, but there's engineering blogs that we've got loads of detail. There's stuff on package uplift, stuff on personalization in search. Um, that they're real, like they're like they're tangibly changing how AutoTrader works. Yeah, um, I'd highly recommend them. Right, and in terms of like what exciting, it's a particular exciting feature about like you know giving anything away that is like top secret. But is there any particular products or areas you're working in, like we're going really deep on data that are exciting that are coming up? I'm really excited about. So I think if you if you go back to the conference in April. Yeah. The theme was the consumer yeah, yeah. and the user. So I think historically we've talked about events that happened. This happened. 
this what happens so many times, but we never say, well, a user did this five times. So we spent the last three or four years getting our tech in order to enable us to think about that. Um, we've got a customer data platform. We're starting to have journeys that um, kind of necessitate the user logging in, adding value to the journey. And we're starting to build up this picture of the consumer. So I think this is starting to get really powerful. We're able to give consumers what they want um, now, you know, much more accurately. So I think over the next couple of years, it's going to be exciting about how we can personalize our experiences for yeah. consumers based on what they've done in the past, not about what we want them to do. Yeah, no, we've, yeah. we've got another podcast in the pipeline around personalization. Yeah. So that's super interesting. What do you about yourself, Michael? Anything area that you're really like pushing the boundaries on or are super excited about? Uh, I guess a new one for me is leasing. So, we, you know, we now own Vanrama and we need to use their data and understand it. And it's kind of this new space. So within the leasing world, we've now, we need to sort of think about how can we personalize if people who want, want to do leasing, what kind of data do we need? What do we actually need to look at in terms of the other parts of the website? So, you know, you could be interested in a new car. That could be an avenue to leasing, but we need to prove that relationship exists yeah um so that's something we need to kind of dig into so is it is it the getting into that new data set set that's like piquing your interest or is it the output of the art of what could be possible uh that's a good question i think it's the output like if we if i can tangibly affect something on autotrader that feels like that feels valuable rather than yeah. i might go away and do my own bit of analysis but it might not actually be that valuable i'd rather affect the site than, yeah, <laughs> than yeah. i would my own yeah. kind of brain and what about yourself Catherine what's exciting in your world I've just been thinking while you've been asking everyone else so um yeah so we're working on um moving to a new support service called Zendesk um and the benefit of that is that it brings in lots of data from other places so all of our sort of like our, our chat if you've got sort of we've got our knowledge center so being able to sort of piece all these bits together that people go on you know post that decision to actually find their car but how does it what happens afterwards and do they actually go on and buy it and that sort of thing so piecing that bit together um i think that'll be a really interesting insight into how our consumers use auto trader but then also how they actually go on and we, we never normally see what happens afterwards and do they ever actually buy the car it's very difficult to find that out so being able to do a lot more of it on our platform obviously means that we, we actually get to see a lot more of what we influence in in our day-to-day and yeah. um, so that would be really interesting and obviously again the need to support our consumers through that as well so we'll capture a lot more of that information yeah. it does sound like from tying your response and Catherine's it's that seeing the full end to end and the the auto trader service isn't just the the bit in the middle of the finding the car yeah, it's not just a marketplace car. anymore yeah. it's the whole it's end to end isn't it yeah. yeah no it's insane it is insane so topics for the future then i mean we talked about we mentioned ml we mentioned like data democratization is there is the big topics that you'd say actually it's something that we should do a future podcast on and go really deep on because this is where like this is a bit of an intro into it so would it be data science what would you as data people be really interested in listening more on and that's a bit of a random question it's a big question isn't it i think yeah i think obviously data science is a huge thing um and we have a, a retailer webinar coming up soon around how ai is being used already in our business and explaining yeah. that to our customers so again maybe a bit more of a deep dive into how some of that actually works um at a very accessible level would be good cool Anything you can think of, Michael? I think, I think, uh, uh, 
the team I'm sitting in is search, and I feel like search itself is this big data science problem. You could talk about that for an hour. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah. The, the, like how like how do I pick listings to show you so you'll find a car quicker? That's kind of the whole problem there. Yeah. Uh, and that's just one stage of the journey. Yeah, yeah. There's all these other stages that kind of need to be optimized in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And yourself, Seeks, and what I'm thinking is, there's obviously people that have found this useful, this particular podcast, is the topics that like-minded brains would be really interested in. I'm really excited about the products that we're building at the minute get us closer to the point of sale. So as an analyst, it's, it's and the whole business, you know, everyone can appreciate the question is, well, did this impact sales? Yeah. And it's a, cha- it's a challenging question to answer. We, we have a partial view, but with leasing, with digital retailing and other products we're launching, we're starting to take control of these transactions more closely and it gives us a better view as analysts. And it's, I think, it only allows us to scale, I think, much quicker in these sort of things. Awesome. Well, cheers for that. It's time up because I'm, I'm getting a bit of cramp. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's just that my age is starting too to kick in. Yeah. Too much maths. Too <laughs> much maths has done my brain in. But thanks for that. Big thanks to Catherine, Michael and Steve. And please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So cheers for that. We'll uh, catch you later. See you soon.